Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse languages and cultures in Australia and around the world, and their struggles for social justice. I am Lourdes Garcia Larque. On today's program, I will be speaking with Mexican teacher, activist, and former rural worker, Glorida Gracida Martinez, about the struggle of rural workers in the community of San Quintín, in the north of Mexico, just south of the border of the United States, where workers live under conditions of 21st century slavery, working for multinational fruit company Driscoll, as well as other fruit companies. Since the age of 10, Gloria began working in the agricultural lands, property of multinational companies in the north of Mexico. She will be speaking about their struggle of the jornaleros, or rural workers, for a life with dignity, the formation of their first ever union, and the current international campaign to boycott berry company Driscoll. On March 17, 2015, a group of hundreds and then thousands of rural workers, many of them women, most of them indigenous, abandoned the agricultural lands of San Quintín and joined the U.S. border in the city of Tijuana, demanding fair living wages, workers' rights, the right to representation, the right to a life with dignity. A year on, on Accent of Women, we will be speaking about this moment. Eh, bueno, mi nombre es Gloria Gracida Martínez, como bien lo decías, um, vengo del estado de Oaxaca, uh, al sur de, de México, y me vine a la edad de Hi. cinco años con una familia de inmigrantes. Martínez. I'm originally eh, from the state of Oaxaca, in the south of Mexico. I moved north when I was five years old, with a migrant family coming from one of the poorest states in Mexico. Oaxaca. We arrived to Baja California, the San Quintín Valley in Baja California. Well, my family, since we arrived there, have worked in the agricultural fields. Many of them are still working in the fields, and even myself. I worked there since I was 10 years old. I witnessed all the injustice we endured that the rural workers, the jornaleros, still live every day. Well, this experience motivated me to pursue a better future, and I went to school. I'm a teacher. I have a master's degree in education, and this has helped me become a stronger voice as a spokesperson for the movement of jornaleros. In the USA and abroad, I think having an education helps me in my role, because I no longer work in the fields directly. For many of our compañeros, it's almost impossible. If they openly express their concerns, if they publicly disagree with the mistreatment they receive, they are easily punished, and they can be easily sacked. In my case, they cannot sack me or do much. So, my voice can be stronger, and I can represent thousands of jornaleros, not only in San Quintín, but across Mexico. Thank you, Gloria, for introducing yourself. This month, in March... There is the one-year anniversary of a historic march. 
in which thousands of jornaleros and jornaleras rallied from San Quintín to the United States border. A group of workers mobilized to bring to the spotlight a list of demands. Actually, we could say that pretty basic demands in terms of respect of the minimum wages, provisions of sanitation, and other basic necessities. This march brought to the public eye the terrible working and living conditions thousands of workers endure in the north of Mexico, but not only there. This is a situation that has gone on for decades and that is not exclusive to that region of the country. Could you share with us about um, your experience and the inhumane conditions of the San Quintín Jornaleros? As I have mentioned, people that come to work here do so in a situation of disadvantage already. They are the poorest of the poor. They come from the state of Oaxaca or Guerrero or Chiapas in the poorest south and are mainly indigenous people. About 80% are illiterate. Many of them are lied to by labor hire companies. They promise them a place to live and good wages. But when they arrived to where the work is, it was all a lie. They are put in cardboard houses and they have to build themselves with cardboard and plastic sheets that come from the packing of the chemical and pesticides used in agriculture. So they live in toxic houses. They have to find a way of surviving extreme temperatures. As in this geographic region, sometimes it's very cold, sometimes it's very hot. And these workers have no health care cover. For decades, they have been working with no health insurance and no work entitlements. They work between 12 and 15 hours a day. And they are paid about 7 U.S. dollars with no overtime and without any rights for women and mothers. There is also sexual harassment and abuse. And well, so many other horrible stories I could go on. We have testimonies of children that work in the fields, testimonies of child labor. Of course, the companies are now saying there is no child labor in San Quintín, and probably it can be true that at this precise moment there won't be child labor in the Sankintin fields. But if we continue to allow the current situation, children will come back to the fields. That is why we stood up and said, basta. Said that is enough. The first thing we want is a union that actually represents us as rural workers. Because... There have been unions there, but they have never represented us. And, well, I imagine that female workers must experience an even worse situation when compared to their male counterparts. Yes, I was just reading about the topic this morning. I was reading that 60% of the working force in the fields are women. And that is not counting the children, the girls, I mean. I still think it's more than 60%. Women do exactly the same jobs as men, but the payment is less. 
simply because workers get paid according to how many boxes of strawberry they can pick. And to pick berries, there are what we call good seasons. These seasons last only two months, and the only people who can reach the maximum wage are young men, because they can be stronger and faster. Women don't get the high wage even at the best of the times. Well, also, consider that women get up earlier than the rest of the family to prepare meals, etc., so women work longer hours. I know of women who sleep only three hours or four hours and then go and work and work this very hard manual work. That is on top of other abuses like sexual harassment or even rape. That happens to many women, including young girls. We have testimonies of this. These women are poor, are indigenous, exploited at multiple levels, working in the fields. There have been women who gave birthright in the agricultural fields of outside hospitals due to the lack of health services. Just last week, there was a case of a woman who did not receive attention. In San Quintin, there is only one clinic that is just not enough for the thousands of workers that are there. Or there are women working until nearly the nine months of the pregnancy. On top of that, the chemicals they are exposed to are a danger. The women and babies that can be affect generations to come. In 1994, Mexico signed a free trade agreement with Canada and the United States, the NAFTA, leaving Mexico in very clear disadvantage in terms of bargaining rights. Driscoll is a company that is based in the United States and with international presence in many countries, including Australia. You spent many years on these fields. In your opinion, have the employment situation been further deteriorated in the last 20 years as a result of NAFTA? Well, the situation has not changed much. As I said, I worked there since I was 10. This is over 20 years ago, and the price of the harvest product that back then was tomato was 50 cents for a bucket. Now they pay 3 or 350 dollars. As you see, in over 20 years, the value has increased by only a little, little money. But the product you buy in the market is a lot more expensive than that. Only the revenue for the companies has grown, but the workers don't receive anything. The free trade agreement works only for the benefit of corporations. The situation of exploitation has continued. Nothing has improved. So, despite, despite being illegal, this situation is somehow allowed by um, the governments in Mexico. What has been the involvement of the Mexican authorities, and I mean the local and federal authorities, when violations to workers' rights by multinationals are brought to their attention? When we began our strike in March 17, 
We have already given our set of demands to the local government and there was no response. So, thousands of jornaleros went on a strike. The response then was repression and bullets. There was brutal repression in which women and children were beaten, houses searched without warrants. Many people were put in prison. We had political prisoners that were incarcerated for six months, and the amount of their bail would be the equivalent of 500 years of work with their current wages. Real criminals get released paying a few thousand of pesos. We witness a lot of cruelty, not just the inefficiency in giving response, but cruelty. There is no will on behalf of the government, neither from the companies to negotiate and give a response to the workers, and of course, no justice. That has been the response so far. We are listening to the song El Barzón, a popular Mexican folk song from the times of the agrarian reform at the beginning of the 20th century, in the voice of singer Amparo Ochoa. If you just tuned in, we are speaking with Gloria Gracida Martinez, a Mexican activist, a teacher, and the spokesperson of the National Alliance of Organizations for Social Justice, an organization that brought together rural workers and their communities in San Quintín, and that joins rural workers from across Mexico in their demands for justice now put together in the form of a union. In the context of the one-year anniversary of the historic march and strike of jornaleros that drew national and international attention to the conditions of exploitation, we are speaking about the situation of very picking workers south of the border of the United States. We have discussed about the poverty wages, the lack of health and social services, that make these workers 21st century slaves, in the words of our guest, guest today. The very picking workers began an international campaign calling to boycott Driscoll's Berries. Driscoll is a company with presence in numerous countries, including Australia. Gloria and the workers of San Quintin are making a call for an action internationally on March 17 to mark the anniversary of their struggle. You can find more information in our Facebook page. You are listening to Accent of Women on satellite across Australia. Going back to the actions of March 17, when workers mobilized, what kind of actions were taken then 
to bring up the demands for dignity and for justice for the workers of San Quintín. First of all, we started 10 cities, occupation that lasted two months. This was mainly to draw attention to become visible. Here in Mexico, without mass mobilization, you are not noticed. But then, we had already sent our list of demands, but we had no response. So, we decided to block the main access to San Quintín. This meant some business closed, which is something expected during these kind of mobilizations. From the beginning, our struggle was peaceful, based on our civil liberties and our right to protest. Of course, these authorities used this. There were probably some infiltrators that caused some damage, and it was a perfect excuse for the government to play the victim and accuse us of being violent. What I always say when I am asked about these facts is that if we really wanted to cause damage, if we wanted to destroy the town of San Quintin, we would have done that. It was thousands of us, we would have destroyed that small town. But no, not. We were only a couple of business that got damaged by some people. There were only a couple of businesses that got damaged by some people. Our struggle is for justice and we are careful in our actions. So, those were our many actions. The two-month-long occupation where we lived, waiting for the response from the authorities and the company. The response has not yet arrived. Going on strike is a very tough decision. You were telling us about the wages and how insufficient they are to live, and the fact that the San Quintin workers did not have their own workers' union to support them. So surviving a strike like that can be difficult. Of course, there were sad moments, having to be on the street with our children, witnessing the violence perpetrated by the authorities. To it, we only had what the community gave us. We were waiting and waiting. Living near the border means the cost of living is higher than in other parts of the country. And workers just survive. They have no savings. The resources were limited, but the workers tried to say basta, to be visible. Was it stronger and that keep us strong? That is how we endured the two months and that is how we continue with our demands. The workers are back at the fields, but still campaigning and fighting. That is the reason why we made international call to boycott Triscoll, because we believe in this type of non-violent action, an action that can unite us across countries in solidarity. So, here we are resisting. So, here we are, resisting. Well, um, congratulations for the campaign and the great efforts the workers are doing. Nearly a year on, since the workers said basta, enough, and commenced a march and a strike, some winnings had been made. Just recently, the San Quintin workers created the National Democratic and Independent Union of Agricultural Workers. 
What does this mean for the movement? What does it mean for the workers? It means both an end and a beginning. It is the end of being invisible and have no representation and not having anyone to be our voice. It is also the beginning of a struggle that will continue for the rest of our lives because it is the official beginning of our life as Jornaleros because we had no representation before. The representatives are all workers that spent the day working in the fields. For example, our president is a 26-year-old man who works all day and after work he goes to the office to talk to people and join them to the union. It is a great victory for us. Now, finally, the jornaleros know who represent them. In the past, for all these years, contracts, agreements would be negotiated and we had no say. Unions that were not ours would negotiate and we had nobody to go to and we had nobody to go to and complain when our rights were not being respected, and they did not care. Now, our representatives are jornaleros. So, it is the beginning of our future. As Cesar Chavez said, we have seen the future, and the future is ours. This union is ours, and therefore, it's our future. And this is our best weapon our non-violent weapon to fight the oppression and exploitation. The, the legacy of Cesar Chavez seemed very strong. The view of the future and the transformation in the spirit of people who are not scared anymore. And you are also a teacher. What do you think children who have witnessed the violence that you mentioned before but that are also witnessing the courage and strength of their families and their communities are learning. The vocabulary the children are learning include the words justice, fair wages. That is what they are learning. If you ask them what is happening, they will say, my dad wants to have fair wages. My dad wants a just working day so he can come home early and spend time with me. That is what they are hearing. They are learning the people in power are corrupt and don't care about them. And this, for me, it's a pleasure. As a teacher, I am working with children that don't see their parents in the same way they saw them in the past. They don't see the country in the same way. They want a better future. In the past, for everyone, including for them, the word jornalero, jornalera, did not mean much. But since March 17, last year, they can say it with pride. They are learning to fight. I have in front of me a phrase by Cesar Chavez. When social change begins, it cannot be reversed. You cannot uneducate the person who has learned to read. You cannot humiliate the person who feels pride. 
you cannot oppress the people who are not afraid anymore. We have seen the future, and the future is ours. And here, there are thousands, maybe millions, because it is a national union, and we are proud. We are not scarce, and therefore cannot be oppressed anymore. We just heard from Gloria Gracida Martinez, a Mexican activist, a teacher, and a former rural worker talking about the strike of berry pickers in Mexico and the recent formation of their union. Other parts of the interview can be heard in our International Women's Day special, broadcasted on March 8th and available on the 3CR website. Currently, the Organization of Jornaleros have called for a boycott of products by multinational Driscoll and to support the march and international actions in the anniversary since the historic strike of March 17. You can find more information by following the link to this week's show or in our Facebook page. You can also follow the campaign on Facebook Boycott Driscoll Sankin Team and the Twitter hashtag Boycott Driscoll. This interview was originally conducted in Spanish. I thank Sofia Medina Larque for lending her voice for the voiceover. And this is all we have time for on today's Accent of Women. If you would like to hear this show again or any of our other programs, you can download the podcast from the 3CR website, www.3cr.org.au. And that's with the digit 3 and not spelled out in letters. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this show. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR and is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network. If you would like to get in touch with the producers of this show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning into the show today. I'm Lourdes García Larque, and I look forward to your company again in our next program.
quedé pensando, sacudiendo mi cobita, haciendo un cigarro de ojo que patrón está sin vergüenza, doy más se llevó para su maldita troje, se me reventó el barzón y sigue la yunta andando. Cuando llegué a mi casita, me decía mi prenda amada. Ante el maíz que te tocó, le respondí yo mi triste, el patrón se lo llevó. Por lo que debí en la hacienda, pero me dijo el patrón que contara con la tienda. Ahora voy a trabajar para seguirle abonando. 20 pesos, 10 centavos son los que salgo restando. Me decía mi prenda amada, ya no trabajo. Siempre no me lo está robando Anda al salón de sesiones Que te lleve mi compadre Y no le hagas caso al padre Él hizo sus comuniones Que no ves a tu familia Que ya no tiene calzones Yo tengo ya faldilla Ni tú tienes pantalones Nomás me quedé pensando Porque dejé a mi patrón Me decía mi prenda amada Que vaya el patrón al cuerno Como estuviéramos de hambre Si te has seguido creyendo De lo que te decía el cura De las penas del infierno Viva la revolución Muera el supremo gobierno Se me reventó el barzón Y siempre seguí sembrando 